Hey Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics and I need your help. Or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory. That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at mcunningham at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks everybody and stay strong. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Uh, a couple of things before we get going into the episode is uh, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I'll put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides Coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back, listen in, and enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. Thank you. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chat. I'm your host, John Mark Raspberry, current strength coach over at Dyer County High School. I have Brian, and I should ask you your last name before we get on here. Satowski? It's uh, it's Shikusky. Shikusky, okay. I just want to make sure, you know, um, I should ask that before we, get, you know, start recording, man. But, hey, it is what it is. Um, Brian's also a strength coach over at Elon University. And currently works at Team Builder as their customer success manager. So I'm going to let him kind of introduce himself to, I know I kind of gave a little bit of background, uh, introduce himself, uh, how did he get into training and conditioning, how did he landed this job at Team Builder, we, then we can get into some other conversations. Brian, it's awesome to have you on the Conjugate Chats, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I'm an athletic sports performance coach at Elon currently right now. Um, mainly with track and field, cross country, obviously with the sprints, jumps, and throws, and then an assistant with football. Um, I work with Team Builder as well. I'm a senior customer success manager there. I, I recently just got a uh, little bit of a promotion and, or title change with that, so I'm super ecstatic about it. Working a lot with onboarding new clients, the renewals process. Um, customer service is obviously one of the biggest parts for it. That's what we're known for, so 
um, when I joined there, that's, you know, developing relationships with coaches and making sure that they get the best thing possible in the product and the people behind it. Um, when I got into strength and conditioning, it was really, I, I started college as a mechanical engineering major. And my first semester, I did 22 credits, had to apply for an overload. I did like calc-based physics, trig-based physics, and I had like calc three and like a biochem class. Got into it. I was like, yo, this is way too much. And I was supposed to graduate as like a mathematics major to then go into it. I was like, I hate this. Don't want to do it. Uh, really fell in love with strength and conditioning as I was a football player at CSP. And I, one of my teammates, Jordan Nuzma, who's now with the 49ers as a uh, sports performance coach, he really started talking to me about what his career path and what he got interested in. And it made me just kind of want to work with them. So I did an internship with them. I met one of my best friends in the entire world, Alex Brzezki. We, uh, we interned together, and then he became the head of athletic development at a facility called Northern Lights, which is a Midwest volleyball facility with, you know, like 37, 38 teams. Kind of ran similar to like IMG Academy in, in a team setting, but the athletes obviously aren't like staying on, on site. They all go home and they come there to train. So I became an assistant for him after that really fell in love with it and just always being like the dumbest person in the room. So it just made me so happy. It's, it was always like, there's room for growth. There's room to expand your knowledge and get better. And I was always, I was very lucky that I never had a bad internship or a really bad boss. So it just made me fall in love like so much with the field and wanting to do it right and do it that way that I just dove right into it. Um, kind of during the pandemic, Obviously, everyone had, you know, different scenarios kind of happened. I, again, got super lucky, lucked into moving from an assistant sports performance coach at Northern Lights to being the head of athletic development because Alex had left. He was going on to William & Mary. When he left, I thought I was going to go intern there, um, intern for him when him and Keir and Corum and Scott Kuhn were all together in the super staff and pandemic happened, couldn't have the internship. So I really lucked into finding Elon's virtual internship, got a nice experience with that, still got to connect with some of those coaches who are super smart, which was awesome for me. And I just got kind of burnt out in the private sector kind of deal. So I found Team Builder was hiring because I was using them for my, my personal side business. And I really, really liked the product, loved who I interacted with at the company. And like one of the biggest things for me was I didn't want someone down my throat or down my back to just to harp on me to make a sale. It was all very much, look, this is what's pick what's best for you and we'll help you, but that's what it's going to be. And we're here for you. So I fell in love with the company. And when they were hiring, I was like, I had one of my friends pop in a group chat with us and they're like, Hey man, why don't you apply? I know you were looking for you know, like a better gig. This might be a good sign. So I did it. Um, the classic team builder style. I had a screening a submission of videos, did a 15 minute screening call, did an hour long first round hour-long second technical interview, hour-long uh, third round. And that happened in like a span of like a week. Uh, it was so fast, just back to back to back that it happened. And at the time I had another job offer actually from Elon to go back to Elon and, and be a full-time coach there. And my wife has started her own business. I, I was kind of at the point of like, this might be the right move to just, she's given up enough for me. I'll, if I have to walk away from sports performance completely, I'll do it. And I ended up getting the job at Team Builder. Unfortunately, Nick was super understanding at Elon. He's like, look, man, you got to do what's right for your family, which coming full circle, I, 
I think it was the right move. Um, found some time and wanted to keep coaching. So I just volunteered at my alma mater as a short, as a sprints coach um, for the track and field team under Sam Johnson, which I think helped me grow exponentially as a coach because I ended up learning so much from the actual sprint side and then really grew to find out what I did and didn't like about sports performance on the actual weight side, the strength and conditioning side. Was able to get a lot of athletes to work with me. Um, one of my athletes just recently, um, he actually won the indoor heptathlon for Division Two. He's the national champion, and he set school records in you know so many different events. He's a phenomenal kid, one of the best athletes I've ever had to, the chance to work with. So he made my job way easier. But um, my wife wanted to end up leaving Minnesota. She's like, I don't like the snow. I don't want to be up in the north anymore. I want to try something new. You know, remember Burlington, we were going to move down there. We considered it. Why don't we just go do that? So moved down to Burlington and texted Nick. I saw that they had an opening. He called me and he, you know, hey, you know, we'll work around your schedule with Team Builder if you want the job. I need stability at the position. It's part-time, but we'll work with you. Absolutely, I'll be in there. Didn't know what sports at the time, but he was probably going to work in it. He mentioned that track and field was probably going to be one of those uh, sports that I get, so I was super hyped. And he's like, when can you get down there? I was like, funny story. I'm moving down there anyway. I'm going to be five minutes away from the weight room. I'll see you in two days. So full circle now, I have the best situation in my life. I'm surrounded by the best people I could ever be around. I work two great jobs for some of the best bosses on both sides. And I couldn't be happier than anything else. And it's the most unconventional, like didn't GA, I didn't. You know, I, I went and got paid right away, which you don't usually get in strength and conditioning. I have been the luckiest person in the entire world when it comes to finding the job and getting it in there. And you know, I, I need to preface that, to be honest. Like, so many people, they're going to probably ask, you know, how do you do that? How do you get in there? It's like, I, dude, I, I got lucky. I got really lucky that I knew really good people who were willing to bet on me and willing to go out on the limb to see if I'll work out. And I'm trying my best to make sure that I prove them right every single day. I can't stress that enough how lucky I am to be in the situation that I am. You know, man, some people just need that one yes, you know. Uh, that one yes just kicks off a whole career in, you know. I can see that fire in you, man. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, some people just need that. Just that one yes, just to, just to um, you know, kickstart the, kick, you know, kick the career, man. And, uh, you know, what you're doing at Elon and what you're doing at Team Builder are two remarkable things. Uh, Elon's been on the rise in the strength world. You know, we see what y'all do almost daily with mobility stuff and what you do in the weight room and your sprint stuff. Um, but on the Team Builder side, I mean, Team Builder has really blown up. And I'd say probably the last few years just because, like, um, you know, I, I want to see almost every, not every team use it, but a good majority of high schools and colleges and teams just use team builder and people use it as a side business. Like, you know, you were talking about as well. And, you know, that was one thing here with my new job is they use team builder and said, and the head football coach, you know, texts me and goes, are you familiar with team builder? I said, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with them. So, um, I don't think he listened to my podcast or anything, but you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a funny way of things coming full circle, man. It really is, honestly. And with Team Builder too, like we we put we try to put out the best product possible, and you know we're constantly updating everything. 
to make sure that you know new features come out as strength and conditioning it, it's always changing so we're trying to change with it and make sure everything's up to date but it, it's also like everybody knows everybody it's such a small niche career field that a good reputation goes a long way and i think that's just kind of where we're at right now where we're trying to establish ourselves as a premier product that's also affordable and we're not going to stretch someone's budget so we're we're trying to give everyone you know depending on you could be an individual private trainer and you know an nfl organization or whoever we're going to treat you the same we're going to give you the best service that we can and and try to make sure that everything's going to be perfect for you or at least to the best that we can do on our side and and get you the help that you need to be successful absolutely and you know that's a company that really cares about you know the working man and the working person in the weight room just because like I saw on Twitter the other day of uh, Brendan Thompson said, you know, who's, um, you know, I'm trying to get into, I, I think it was like personal training or online remote. I think it was something to that nature. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tagged, I think team or didn't tag, but put out like team better rat coach, you know, different companies like that. And even the people that comment said team builder, you know, team builder is awesome. I, I mean, everyone's going to have their preference, you know, not everyone's going to be team team builder, but at the same time, like you just read through those comments and those quote tweets and, you know, everything like that. I mean, a lot of people have uh, got a lot of good things to say about team builder. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I reached out to, you know, y'all's company to sponsor this podcast, just because it's, you know, it's so recognizable at this point. But also, I mean, y'all care so deeply about the coaches that have your product as well. Mm-hmm. And and most of, you know, most of the people who have been hired, you know, obviously, you know, guys like Luke Green, our head of sales, he'll, he's the guy that's like, no, I'm not, I'm not a coach. Don't, don't, you know, don't think I am. I'm not, but he can still speak the language because he's been around it enough. Most of the people who have, you know, even on our developer side have at one point or another been some kind of strength coach, trainer somewhere in sports performance to where they can understand speak the language and empathize with you to where it's like you need this to work we have to uh, understand that and be able to make it work for you so i think that and that's one thing that hewitt and james do very well is they they want those people in the building just because we can empathize we can speak your language we understand your your gripes with different issues and we can better help you instead of just you know a random person who might worked in a tech company before so they're like, well, here's the answer. There you go. You know, kind of figure it out. Um, it's just, it comes down to the hiring process. You know, the people that we bring in, it, it's all about trying to put the entirety of the company, not just the product, to be something that we can always just give to somebody and say, here is that silver platter. What can we do? And the people who use us, like our customers are fantastic. We have, we have people that, you know, we develop relationships with and they're just, you know, they'll call you out of the blue and say, how you doing, man? I just want to know what's up with you. It's not even about a technical issue. So it's just this like self-sufficient ecosystem that keeps feeding itself, which is phenomenal. Absolutely, man. Uh, let's kind of dive into some like coaching and some, uh, some strength and conditioning talk here. So mm-hmm. obviously the success with Elon right now is pretty high because you're posting out, Elon's posting out like, Here's where our mobility is today. Here's what we're doing for sprint work, our weight room work. So where does that kind of stem from? Where's that develop, like programming developing start and to where we see it on social media? Yeah, um, it's a really in-depth process. Most of the people who have been hired or were hired previously, 
if at one point or another probably been an intern within our system, we have a really extensive internship program, um, whether that's through the summer or during the year. If we have an eight, 12, and 16 week curriculum, depending on where you're coming in during the year, really making sure that you can develop at the end of it as a coach. It's a very coaching intensive internship and it's a very program heavy. So we want you to be able to basically have a portfolio when you leave. So most of us have gone through what, you know, the essentially the principles over methods approach. We're not going to glue ourselves to some kind of method. We want the best product forward because the athlete is the most important thing, not our ego. And, you know, this is kudos to Nick. Nick is very much all about continuing education. Our staff, we don't do a necessarily like a formal continuing education, but we're always, you know, we read daily. We're always talking to each other or with each other or about each other in some sort of way to try and get that next level. What's, what else is out there and experience things? And we have a, you know, we even talked about this with our interns today. The best thing you can do with the staff around you is to kind of argue. And not, that's not saying, you know, get in heated discussions and yell it at each other, but to professionally disagree and then try to understand the point that someone else is trying to make. Because once you understand that, you can take a piece from it. If you copy everything point blank, you're going to copy both the successes and the failures. So we're trying to see what we can do to mitigate our situation and make it better. His programming philosophy from the basics is principles over, method, over methods. We really take into a high-performance model. So we do high-performance meetings, whether that be with, you know, for cross-country, for example, we have a phenomenal cross-country program. We're meeting, you know, maybe bi-weekly or once a month, depending on what time of year it is, with the AT staff, sports performance the head coach, the assistant coach, the academic advisor. And if we have a sports psychologist that's coming in, we're all getting together, making sure everyone's on the same page, working well together and making sure all the pieces align and fit within the entire model. You know, the four coactives of the technical, tactical, psychological, and physical that are all taken into account. And the sport coaches, rightfully so, they have bought in on it and they see that there's success. So it makes it really easy to propose new ideas and, and kind of get in there. End of year, you know, kind of meetings, we're working through things, what worked, what didn't. And it's very objective. It's nothing's personal attacks, which is really nice to where you can just make sure that the best product gets put forward for the athlete. And like I said, the continuing education aspect, we're not running the same program year to year. Our foundation, our foundation plus advanced, advanced plus programs will likely look different the year before than to the next year because we may have discovered something new and, and made it out and made it to be better. Um, nothing is being just, this is what we did, so this is what we'll do again. It's always being consistently worked on and really developed. And the idea is kind of, you know, it's funny, but the idea is that we look back at what we wrote last year or maybe two or three years ago and we go, oh my God, like, why did I write that? Because hopefully we've developed enough you know, new knowledge that we were like, that was so dumb. We should do this instead. This is probably going to be way better. It, it's just like, like I said, it, it's so weird. Just, just keep saying like, it's a system, it's a system, it's a system. But we're in that process of always reevaluating, always trying to find new knowledge to readdress a, a problem in a different way for a better answer versus just continuously going with the status quo. And I think it starts at the director level of hiring the right people and getting the people the right information and tools to be successful and keeping them around to make sure that they can be successful. You know, there's higher paying jobs out there. There's, you know, maybe you get a better premier team or your power five or your group of five, whatever it is. But 
one thing he does is it, he makes it so hard to even consider anywhere else because your situation becomes so good there that you don't want to leave. You can't because it's just not going to live up to what we have here. Awesome, man. And, you know, you were talking in the beginning about like this healthy discourse. Because, you know, when we go into the field of strength conditioning, we're not always going to agree with one another, you know, on certain topics and things like that. But where I think, and this is a byproduct of y'all's program too, of healthy discourse to where it's not about you, it's not about your program, it's about what's best for the athlete. And now you're kind of seeing that, on, well, we're seeing that, you know, out on social media, you know, athletes are more robust, uh, you know, more wins. We, there are you know, developing a much, I'm not going to say greater rate, but at a developing a more continuous rate, right? Mm-hmm. We're not having like these steeps of like, oh, they're getting strong, you know, little, I, I guess little Jimmy's like benching 135, then 140, and then now he, he can barely bench like 100. Like, you know, there's not these like declines in your program. And, you know, that's just kind of a byproduct from having good director. And then you have the right people who are don't take this thing you know don't take it so personally you know it's professionally not personally yeah the healthy level of discourse is the best thing ever and i know nick and i sometimes will get into different things you know we talk about sprinting you know do we do we resist an upright mechanic do we just go straight for the max velo are we you know what is it that we're trying to get here and even if we don't agree we're we're going to come together take bits and pieces and, and really work on it, which is really nice. And all opinions are considered. And even one of our other part-timers who's with us right now, one of, she even mentioned to our interns too, is like, don't be afraid to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. And that's, that's fine, right? Don't, don't argue to be right, but have the right answer. Um, and then when you're wrong, just take a step back, understand what they're com- where they're coming from, and that'll help you reevaluate things and, and get better which is, it's one of the most beautiful things that we have. And I think it works great because we can build a better program. We can then promote that program through social media, which, you know, Elon's been growing with that social media for how long. It helps us get better interns, you know, through different avenues. You can also find, you know, personal fulfillment of either getting larger on social media or, you know, you can maybe find a ways to kind of leverage that media into either a new job if that's what you want. Or if you just want to get side income because you've developed a real niche kind of understanding of something and can release a product, it's just, it's a great thing to have without focusing too heavily. And we're just kind of documenting what we're doing to try and make that information available to everybody. Absolutely. And I love that phrase of, you know, what what your interns say of uh, don't be, don't be afraid to be wrong because that's how we learn, man, because like if you don't know to the full extent of something try it out i mean don't be afraid to be wrong in some situations now there is a time and place for everything right we don't need to be wrong 100 percent of the time but i mean like if we are doing our jobs and you know we're 80 percent right but that 20 percent wrong well we can get better by that 20 percent and then we just start minimizing you know those wrongs into our rights and or, you know, our weaknesses into strengths. Exactly. And we try to make it known to our athletes too. It's okay to fail. If they don't, if they never fail, are they really truly learning? And that's part of our aspect, you know, within the sports performance staff to be physical, to get them physically prepared for their sport. But they also have that small piece of actual learning, whether that be through, percep- through perception of the environment and maybe they fail on this rep, but they can then 
get a little bit more of an adjustment, succeed on the next one. If they get everything right the first time, we're not offering them anything new. They're not growing or they're not getting better. So we make it okay to fail. And in some situations, we might tell you, hey, point blank, I don't know if this is going to work. Maybe it's on like a sprint rep when we're doing like some you know, sprint floats. I don't know if this is going to work for you, but I want you to try it just because I want to see what's going to happen. It might mess us up, but just bear with me. And the athletes that we have are so bought in at this point that the ones that you tell that to, they're like, okay, let's try it out. And then you go through, man, it didn't really work. Let's try this instead. And it, be, it just all flows really nicely because you have the coaches genuinely caring. It's not about us. It's about the athlete. And the athletes really understand, buy in, and just, just soak it all in like a sponge. And they're like, let's give it a try. So it makes it really easy to be able to experiment and try new things. Yeah, and it also comes from an environment of, you know, you're allowed to fail. And, you know, there's some environments that you fail and then you got, you know, so-and-so screaming down your neck and, you know, that kind of kills your confidence. And then you don't even want to be in the gym or the weight room or the field court, whatever anymore. You know, and that's such an essential part of our jobs that we got to have an environment that we are allowed to fail. Now, we got to bring some success, you know, some success. You got to bring the results. But on the same time, like, you can, you're allowed to fail. You're allowed to learn as you kind of discover new things in that job. Yeah, and, and it's that, that, that discovery. That's like one of the biggest things. You know, you might, you might top out even on something as simple as, you know, we're going to go two reps in reserve on a bench press and they overload it a little too much. They short two reps, right? They look at it as, oh, I failed. All right, well, let's look at it at a different light. Now we found what is pretty much your working max for today. We can back off and hit a set, hit, you know, take 10, 15 pounds off, back off, hit it again. Now you got five reps completed. Let's take the win out of it. Instead of just changing the way we look at things, is a great way too to help kind of keep that growth and like you said like that's the beautiful piece is the discovery of it which really helps absolutely man uh let's talk a little speed and sprint work you kind of mentioned a little bit but um talk to us about like walk us through like a normal day at elon when you're speed and sprint work yeah so it's a little bit different um especially with when it comes to football we're very you know and Nick's made a great point at this. You know, we can get the max velocity is obviously it's the rising tide that raises all ships, but taking someone from, you know, a 0.95, 30 plus 10 to a 0.93, 30 plus 10, are we really going to see that true separation on a field? That's probably one to two steps, right? Whereas in an A cell, if we can get you to vastly increase your ability to accelerate in a short range of motion, you're probably getting that separation that you can then take down the field and get us a more successful play. Um, we do right now we're in a, a three kind of high model. And I say that in quotations just because our Monday is an eight is a max velocity kind of dominant day. We have, you know, a little bit of a wake up. So we'll go through some kind of prep. Well, in, where we're just kind of getting, you know, in place, ground based warmups, getting the hamstring ready, getting the quads, the hips, ankles, and of course, the shoulder girdle kind of ready to move a little bit more freely and get that separation. From there, it's, we, we do it a little bit differently. It's not necessarily a truly structure structured workout. It's kind of like a coach's choice, depending on where we're seeing and what group we're working at and working with. So maybe we'll do you know, extensive hop, skips, jumps, bounds, maybe getting into some A-series, different kind of positions, some RDLs into two-step bursts, just kind of preparing those positions to be loaded up. On the max V day, we're then probably going to run some dribble series, ankle, calf, knee, and then maybe a bleed up into a stride, really preparing to 
kind of learn the positions that we're then going to utilize right in the actual workout. Right now we're in our, um, I know we, you might've seen the post that we put out lately, um, the earning to sprint or with the L in parentheses, so learning to sprint. So we're really kind of in that learning period before we just let them loose and go for it. So we're drilling those all in the prep and we kind of let our prep bleed into our workout. So as soon as they get done with like some dribbles, we're trying to directly apply it. So we'll probably get a couple, you know, two-step starts, some split and rip, stuff like that. And then we're going to do maybe, you know, right like this the past week, we did a four, six, eight yard acceleration into a float through 40. So whatever speed they hit at six yards, they're going to, whatever, whatever they hit at six yards or eight yards or 10 yards, they're going to maintain that same speed and try to hit those perfect positions and shapes through 40 yards and we're recording everything we know we have a couple you know obviously we have 17 interns this this time this go around for the summer so we have a tons of eyes on things and we're really teaching them what to look for and we're videoing all of it so in between reps we can take a small kind of almost like being able to look at a kinogram of what positions they're hitting are they hitting figure four and full stance are we getting lordosis are we backside are we striking in front are we reaching things like that breaking it down during our rest period, talking with the athletes, making the small tweaks. All right, now that we've got our tweak, let's do it again. Let's rip it. Same thing, reapply, you know, rinse, repeat right there. So right now, like we're not necessarily doing flies. We're timing dashes, S-curve sprints, half-curve sprints, stuff that's going to be a little bit more applicable to the situation. Whereas our max V stuff, it's going to be really focused on hitting proper positions so we limit our risk for injury. We can't truly prevent it, but we can limit our risk by getting better and better mechanics and more efficient running technique. Um, our second day is mainly a agility kind of day. That's our Wednesday. They'll come out, probably hit, you know, a full prep, maybe a couple mirror dodge kind of drills. And then they're going to have some indie after maybe like one, one kind of sprint float. They'll have indie, then they'll have some kind of change of direction kind of stuff or agility at the end. And then Friday is our ACL day, working on early acceleration, the initial start. So probably between one and three steps, kind of getting off the line, really perfecting positions, loading the startup. Because um, we, we treat sprinting differently than we treat playing football. They're going to they're gonna do what they need to do in the sport to be contextually good. But when we're sprinting for maybe like a 10-yard dash um, that we're going to time, we want them to be in a sprint position, not in a football position. So we'll kind of go through some of that stuff really drill it, and then we'll get them into the gates. Now that they're primed up, they've hit the position. Let's hit that rep. Let's get a time for a metric that we can kind of track over that period of time. And then we'll likely get into some different change of direction stuff again, agility-based games, hoop, you know, figure eight hoop kind of chase drills, uh, S-curve kind of chasing, and then, you know, box drills, tackle stuff. So it's, it's always from a point of learn, apply, and then we'll add our constraints around it to start to make it look like the sport itself, which for me, I'm like a kid in a candy store. It is so much fun. I get a lot of freedom, thankfully. Um, when I got here, Nick understood kind of my background, where I was from. Obviously, I had some other people in his ear kind of vouching for me. So thank you, Jordan Newsma. Thank you, Alex Brzezki, for telling Nick I a little bit of like honed in on stuff like this because he's given me the ability to really help out and, and take ownership of some of their sprint mechanics. And it's, it's been the most, some of the most fulfilling work I've ever done. Obviously track and field is, it's got my heart and everything. Um, but obviously, and as a sports performance coach in track and field, I'm not writing their, 
their sprint workouts. I'm not out there running their practice. I'm in the weight room with them. So getting the ability to really coach sprints is just, it's been night and day phenomenal. And then I just get geeked up, super happy, hop on and hop on a team builder when I'm done with that. And I'm, you know, I'm answering emails with a grin on my face. Cause I just had the best time of my life. It doesn't, you know, people say like, Oh, don't, you know, if you love work, you should never feel like work. It still feels like work. You know, you're getting 15,000 steps by 8am, but you know, you're just so happy to do it. It's extremely fulfilling. Awesome, Brian. And, um, you know, y'all, you know, speed and sprint work is really in depth and it shows, uh, just because biomechanically, you know, we see, you know, the product of that and, you know, we don't really get to see the, the days and weeks and months leading up to what we see on social media. And, you know, that's, that's incredible, man. Um, change of direction wise, what do y'all implement and agility wise? You said about some, uh, games and things like that. What else do y'all do for that? Yeah. So again, it's more like the change of direction, pre-plan kind of movements, you know, we'll give them like a five yard sprint into a cut and then they have to decel back down into almost like a stick. So we're ingraining the patterns. So we'll work through things like that. Multi-position starts, maybe, you know, our, we have our multi-directional tempos. So it's just kind of more of like an injury prevention kind of run, getting them in kind of motor learning you know, dynamic movement prep exploration periods. So they're experiencing things in low intensity, um, low risk situations to kind of feel out the patterns. And then when we get into true kind of agility stuff, that's when we're getting into um, maybe we're mirroring face to face, back to back, shoulder to shoulder, trying to stay with the person as they break, break with them, react off of them. We obviously do the eight vector model. So you know, three-step, two-step, one-step, full go, whatever it might be, really working through that as the last piece of our prep. So they learn how to plant their foot, apply force in the right direction to redirect their body. Um, multi-directional plyometrics, whether they're extensive, intensive, really getting the tissue resiliency and getting the body prepared to then do it dynamically. And then when we get into that agility games, you know, box drill is a big one, whether that's being, you know, five by five, an eight by eight, 10 by 10, 15 by 15, you know, 20 by 20, you know, facing each other, running in, reacting off one. And then we have that. That's basically what we call a score. So one person's going to win, one person's going to lose. We have the failure, but then we can kind of break down, hey, you see how you kind of were out of position, you weren't able to go. We have the, obviously the eight, the, the kind of figure eight hoop run, which is another one that we do. That's more of a curvilinear sprinting, but it's trying to collect you know, maybe a tag or chase somebody around that hoop to get there. Um, there's also small, you know, almost like one where you can put people in the hoop. And then it's just, you know, I have a time set, maybe seven to 10, 15 seconds, collect as many tags as possible while the other person is trying to avoid you. Um, bear crawl, kind of a tag, which is one where you throw a towel basically on the back hip. They're in a bear crawl position, trying to get around each other and pull that out. Once they get that, you know, that's a score. So we have stuff like that. Um, the room that I really like, we haven't done yet in the summer. We're probably going to get to it. It's what we call a one-on-one or a one-on-two kind of arc drill. So what they do is they take a half curve sprint into almost like a three kind of gate or three options. And they'll basically get into a one-on-one situation where you got to make it past the defensive player and the defensive player is kind of trying to tag off. So it starts to get more and more looking more like the actual game of football or Maybe even in, in the other case, like maybe if it's soccer, just to avoid them, whatever it is. And then we'll start to add different constraints in there too. So maybe we have obstacles in the way. 
Maybe we have two players stand there, or maybe it's one offense versus two defensive players, two offenses, one defense, and they're kind of blocking two on two. And it just starts to, as we progress, get really, really looking more and more like true football, which is really fun. And honestly, like having done them when uh, I was an athlete and Jordan Newsman was at Concordia um, as a performance coach, we were kind of the test dummies. So I got to do them. And that was some of our favorite days because the competition, you know, you get that kind of, you know, that little bit of quote unquote anxiety to kind of like compete and you're in that heightened state. And man, when, when you get a good group of guys doing stuff like that, you're getting so much value because nobody wants to be the guy that loses. So they're so honed in on doing it right and, and going all out for it. That it's just so much fun to watch. Awesome. And do y'all do this like year round? So is this something that, you know, you program it in the off season and it kind of bleeds into the pre and in season, or is this something that y'all consistently just do year round? It depends on the time of the year. So I like, you know, summer is really about preparing them for camp and the demands of camp. So that way they can be really good to get good at football. So we want to make sure that they get the accumulation of yards. We're a robust system and then having the ability to actually go do things in like an agility model. When we get towards, you know, after season, it's mainly about recovery. Um, and we don't have an indoor facility, so we're outside. I mean, it is North Carolina, so it probably gets to what, like 55 degrees. So it's not too cold, but we're maybe not touching max velocity, getting some really slow cooking, some A cells. We'll still play a little bit of games in there, uh, here and there. And then working up to spring ball, we'll get a little bit more sprinty, a little bit more change of direction kind of like doing a condensed version of what we do for fall camp to get them prepared for spring. And then we get back towards that recovery, getting ready for finals and stuff like that. So it's an ebb and flow of, you know, we, we follow a vertical integration model. So everything is always in the program just to varying degrees. So, you know, maybe there's a bigger emphasis on it in the summer or before spring ball but it's still going to be there. Just maybe it's taking a little bit more of a backseat or the volume is really limited later on down the road, maybe after the season or during that kind of winter before we send them off for winter break and stuff like that. It, it's usually always going to have some kind of piece. And in our preps, we always have some kind of either tackle prep, torso prep, maybe it's grappling and hand fighting just to keep a little bit in there without having to send them outside and do 35 minutes of games when we, you know, maybe only get eight hours. Um, due to the NCAA rules. Gotcha. I was uh, always kind of curious about like speed programs and seeing, you know, what they do in certain parts of the year because, you know, uh, in the off season, obviously you're going to have a little bit more technical periods, right? You're, you're wanting to teach um, proper mechanics and, and, you know, everything of that nature and how that kind of progresses into, you know, uh, things like spring ball and then the summer and then they're always kind of curious about that kind of thing man yeah and it's you know sometimes you might just get into more of like a micro dosing model um andrew benham our baseball guy he didn't really have the ability and he didn't want to risk it coming into the new year they were already in fall ball when he got in into the program he didn't want to just try and get max velocity stuff so he would work up just you know build up to maybe like a sprint and hold you know 20 yard 30 yard build up hold for 10 yards at that speed and, you know, during the year, they were doing 15 yards and 10 yard dashes as part of their prep to get ready for their lift. So it's, it's, you know, we usually like to do that just to get some kind of touch to be wrong with like the training residuals. But we're very, very conscious of the volume that we put them in. Um, 
as there's, there's many different ways. I mean, there's a thousand different ways to skin a cat, but there's probably more than likely two or three that are more than ideal. And you don't want to use a butter knife. So um, we're really, really conscious about the volume that we put under. So we're not just blatantly overloading. We're really working on, you know, rest ratios and our preps are ever changing. So one day we might have, you know, two, three step bursts in our prep. Another day, it might be just more so movement based and just exploratory. So we can always touch on things when we need it, when we feel like it's, it should be there. And we're pretty fluid on being able to change it as it needs to be. So do y'all take a look at like total mileage or total yards that you're, you put your athletes under? And if you do, how do you track that? Yeah, so we have, a, we have catapult systems. Um, tempos are the easiest, obviously to, obviously, to track because you just accumulate whatever the reps times the yardage. And we're trying to prepare them to get to camp where they'll kind of see some kind of yardage. Um, Nick's been using catapult for a couple of years now, checking out a, the number of accelerations, the percent of max velocity that they've hit, um, in comparison to what they've, the top speed that they've hit with the, with the GPS unit. And one of the other things that we also track is just total player load, which take, which is a calculation from catapult that we're able to kind of get, you know, they'll, they'll be strapped up for practices. Anytime we're doing stuff on the field, they're, we're throwing GPSs on there. That all gets brought into the GPS report where they can, you know, all those numbers can be digested. One of the things that we definitely do is that, you know, we're a smaller, smaller program, like we're division one um, program, but we don't have a sports scientist on staff. So every one of us has to act as a pseudo sports scientist in order to understand what those numbers mean and let those numbers inform the decisions that we make. So we're always kind of looking at some of that data or whether that be just max speed data, if we're just doing like 10 yard dashes or maybe if we do a fly, stuff like that all gets taken into account for that total kind of load and the total stress on the player. So that way we can scale it properly without overdoing and risking somebody. But catapults, you know, to kind of answer that question, catapults been one of the most integral pieces because we don't have, we don't physically have to do anything other than strap them up and then take that GP, take that GPS, plug it in and let the numbers flow right in there. And Catapult is able to just kind of give you your calculations on all that, which is really nice. Sweet. Awesome, man. And I want to kind of redirect us towards um, developing leaders inside of a strength program. Because, you know, we talked about, you know, you're having a good director and then being allowed to fail inside of a job or, you know, any situation that you're in right now. Um, You know, there's definitely a younger generation i guess a strength coach is kind of coming up now and uh what do you advise them and developing like their leadership skills at such a younger age yeah number one is be able to control and command a room that's what i, I we always recommend to everybody you're going to need reps and it's not just something that happens overnight you're going to have to figure things out and you're probably going to fail of course you're probably going to fail um one of the nice things is that all of us on staff, you know, my title is assistant sports performance coach. Um, Gabe Mason, who's our, you know, he's our primary assistant for football. He's with our women's basketball and women's volleyball teams as well. His is, I think, um, associate director of sports performance. I, correct me if I'm wrong, Gabe. I'm sorry, man. But, um, you know, we have these different titles, but we all act as if we are a director of our sports. So we all want to, give you know give out that kind of leadership as if we were a director and nick's enabled enabled us to do so by really taking ownership of the sports that you have and just trying to give them 
the level of service that they're wish they're wishing and everything that they need to be successful. Um, and a lot of it really takes it, it's about being humble, right? Self strength and conditioning is a truly selfless field where you know long hours typically usually it's low pay um and we're kind of, we're giving everything to somebody just to be a guy in the background so being humble enough to understand that and then just say you know what this is you know i might be the cup holder in the car but i'm going to be the best cup holder that is ever i'm never going to let something leak and when it does i'm going to take ownership that that cup spilled um so that's like one of the biggest things the ability to lead isn't just about you know barking orders or you know, commanding around and, and telling people what to do. It's being the person that might do the thing that nobody else wants to do. It's having an uncomfortable conversation that you might not want to have, but it needs to happen. And it's giving the right amount of things to the right amount of people to make sure that everyone can be successful. And you take the, you know, the lowest kind of common denominator, and we make that no, lo no longer such a lower hanging fruit. And we just elevate everything and we fill the right buckets in the right places. Um, and it comes back to like our internship. It's it's not only developing them to build a good program, but to actually coach. And there's so many different things, you know, you, you, we, and we always question each other too. Um, Andrew always says, you know, you got to go coach that. And, you know, Gabe will be there and he's, you know, what does that mean, Andrew? Like these, like, we might not know what that means. So we have to be really specific and deliberate with what we tell somebody to make sure that we can meet them where they're at so they can understand it better. And it's, you know, maybe you're not, you know, being authoritative enough to get them to listen to you. Maybe your voice isn't carrying because we have, you know, 50 guys talking in front of you while you're trying to, you know, count a tempo for them. And we got the music blaring. You have to let that come from you. You have to, you have to give that voice to make sure that it carries throughout the entire room. Or maybe a cue that you're trying to give an athlete that you're giving them, it's not working. Well, now you as the coach, you can't say, well, they just don't understand. You got to say, well, how do I get them to get there? So that's when you kind of get creative. You start maybe making analogies. You give a different cue or you step back, let them kind of figure it out a little bit, let them self-orient. And nine times out of 10, it usually gets a little bit better. But the ability to I, bring it kind of back around, the ability to be really humble in what you do and understand our place and to just try and be the best that we can in our place is one of the biggest things you can do as a leader. Absolutely. And... You know, you, you put it best. This field is a selfless field because you cannot be selfish and be an adequate strength coach. And if you can, you know, kudos to you. But on the same side of that, like, it just can't happen. Um, you know, if a football coach needs something done, like, let's just say in practice, hey, can you, you know, spot the ball for us? You know, in, in practice when we're going tempo. Yeah. And I'm going to be the best ball spotter you got. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the same time, like if on game day, hey, can you take care of water? Can you do this? You know, it's just some extra hands, you know, to help out, you know, make things go a little bit more smooth. You know, that's those are some of the jobs, you know, that you don't think about when you think about strength and conditioning because you're thinking of the guy, you know, this in the whistle and in the weight room, yelling, screaming, hype music. But, you know, on the other side of that coin is there's a lot of background things that go on that and we're kind of the unsung heroes of that on, on that yeah. aspect because we do the little minute things that, you know, someone's like, well, I don't want to do that. that that's below me. And this feels like, no, there's nothing below me. Yeah. And, you know, 
to that note, like there's been times where, you know, the DBs are trying to go through different coverage concepts and they don't have enough bodies because, you know, maybe someone else is doing indie. You know, I'm grabbing a couple of interns. You know, I'll run the routes. Let's let's go through it. I'll, I got cleats on already. I, I got to look clean for the guys. So I got some cleats on. I'll run some routes, right? Gives you a chance to, to just kind of either, you know, connect with the coach a little bit. They understand you as a human being. And we really, we try um, to the best extent that we can to build a relationship with the athletes and the coaches. So that way they know that if they need something, they can come to us. Because again, it's, it's a selfish thing. It's the, the small things. Oh, I'll grab that water for you. Don't worry. Maybe the AT's with somebody. I'll just go grab the water from them real quick. So they don't have to, you know, separate from that. It's the overall product that we're trying to put forward versus just saying, well, this is what I do. I don't do any of that. Right. We're jack of all trades, master of none, hopefully. Um, so we can jump in where we need to be and, and just give that hand. It's it's a blue collar job in a you know white collar scenario where you know things need to get done. Someone's got to do them. It's usually going to be us because we have the ability to just hop in and, and help out. And I think there's a blessing on our part because you know we go through education and then we put you know strength and conditioning on such a high horse as well. Um, I, I know I definitely I'm speaking to myself as well because. You know, I definitely put that, you know, I'd say high priority in my life is, you know, devoting myself to strength and conditioning. But I also don't want to get so lost in, you know, the sets and reps and the exercise selection and the methods that I forget, you know, to be, you know, a coach. That I forget to be just a decent human being to where I'll, I'll just go grab that water. Now, if, you know, they uh, talk about football. Right, they take a timeout. I'm grab the water. I'm gonna be right out with the guys. You know, here you go. Blah blah blah. Make sure they you know refill the waters, everything like that. Man, AT's over there taking care of someone else. You know, um, but yeah, that's that's incredible, man. A hundred percent. And you know, it. You you mentioned one thing that I definitely want to touch on is like we consider ourselves one thing, but we're not that one thing. And the piece that really hit me where you said where you had that is you know we're people, we're human beings. Right. So we can't just let, you know, whether that be your strength guy or, you know, some people want to call themselves like a baseball performance coach versus, you know, I'm a performance coach. Most of all, we're, you know, I'm Brian. I'm a person, you know, I have my life, I have my family and allowing stuff like that to take priority. And, you know, whether that be just talking to another coach about their kids or, you know, what they, where they go to dinner the other night. Did you guys check out, you know, you guys go to Ferrara's or are you going over here and grab, you know, some jerk chicken, stuff like that, where, you become a person to them versus just a job. And it, it just builds, you know, a repertoire with them. You have that connection and they see you as the person. So if, you know, the day comes that, A, you either, you know, maybe you're faced with a position to either leave or stay, they might fight for you to stay more or, you know, they want, to, they want what's best for you. There's no hard feelings. You know, whatever it might be, they see you as a human being. They see you as a person first and your job second. And I think that's one thing that, you know, Strength coaches have a hard time doing is disassociating from that and saying, I'm me, not my job. So, I, you know, this is just one person's opinion, but like doing small things for other people, whether that be like grabbing the water, running the route or something, it helps me just take a step back and say, look, I'm not that I'm me. I can, I can do other things besides this. And then it just lets things flow out into the rest of your life and saying like, well, there is other things that you can be doing. You are not just that one piece. Right. And I don't want to preface by saying that, you know, strength and conditioning is not important and, you know, the things we do inside the weight room are not important because, like, 
you know, people just don't go out and get a kinesiology degree and a master's, you know, a master's degree and pass a CSCS, you know, for nothing. Not to be, you know, to be called a strength coach. Yeah. But on the other side of that, you know, you can't be lost in who you are as a person. You can't be so lost and so into the deep end that you forget that you got a family at home. You got, you know, um, you know, you're a person. You you're a person first and a strength coach second so much and and i struggled with that a lot when i when i first because obviously i was an athlete first and you have that identity crisis kind of coming away from being an athlete it's like who am i now my life was this for so long that when i first jumped into strength and conditioning i let that be my identity and to a certain extent it probably still is maybe more than it should be um but working at team builder has really kind of leveled me out a lot because i know that that like the guys at team builder or the people at team builder, I shouldn't say guys, you know, we have a lot more females on staff and, you know, I, I shouldn't say guys, but, um, they know me as Brian. They don't know me as a coach. And it's so nice because you have that like foot in two different worlds that it allows me to just disassociate and be myself more, which is, I think for me, longevity in a career wise has been the best thing ever. I know my wife's happier. <laughs> um, because although I am working two jobs, I'm not being overworked um, and I have more time for her and I was able to prioritize her and she's done so much for me. So I, and I, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I have to say this because if there's a public platform, I can tell thank you to my wife for. She's done more for me in helping me conceptualize like who I am and the impact I have on than anything else. And that was one thing I really struggled with as a young coach is I need to be in a place where I can truly affect these people and leave a lasting legacy. And there was how many conversations that I had with her where she's like, you just need to affect the people around you because the people that matter to you most are the ones that are going to remember you anyway. And I was like, she was beating her head against a brick wall trying to tell me that when I was young. And now that I've kind of gotten older, I mean, I'm 26, but I act like I'm 40. But um, now that I've gotten a little bit older, it, it really... You know, you feel so dumb looking back and thinking that. And, and now it's like, well, I have these, you know, I have these amazing friends that love me and they know me as Brian. My wife knows me, you know, as Brian. My, my parents know me as Brian. My sister knows me as Brian. They know me as that person versus like, oh, he's a coach, right? I, I think that's one of, you know, if anyone takes anything that I say out, out of that I, is I hope it's that, you know, we spend so much time in a facility that you start to become that person a little bit. But stepping back out and being able to be yourself is one of the most important things that we can do as coaches. And it helps avoid burnout because you don't get too wrapped up in it too quick and only fire on that and, and like I said, fade off and not want to do it anymore. And then you're going through the next cycle of attaching your identity to another job or even a hobby. You have that total person that you are. And I, I try to be able to do that with, you know, the other coaches that I'm with are athletes that we talk to is like, you are not just an athlete, you're a person first. So most importantly, like if we're having a bad day, like come talk to me, like I want to be here for you. And even like our interns where it's like, you can't let this, you know, obviously your career is important. You have to make money. You got to feed your kids. You got to feed your family, whatever you have when you kind of get older. But at the end of the day, it can't be who you are. It, you have to be you and you have to be that person first. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to say again that, like, there's nothing wrong with being a strength coach, mm -hmm. but it's just 
something that I am. You know, it's it's not who I am. It's something uh, it's that I am. It's a piece of you. It's a piece. Yeah, that's a great word. That it's a piece. You know, I'm not the 100% strength coach at home, right? I'm a husband. I'm a you know brother. I'm a nephew. I'm a you know X Y Z thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like you're so much more than just the the weight room guy. You're so much more than just a strength conditioning coach, right? There, and you just said best man, and uh, yeah, just yeah. And you know, I'm. It, sometimes it may sound like I'm I'm pretending to be I'm pretending to be smart. Let's be honest here. Um, I'm not that wise. I make mistakes all the time. Anyone around me can tell you that. You know, whether I'm running my mouth too much or whatever it is, but I'll always try to be humble enough to admit when I'm wrong or you know take one on the chin. If I if I do something, you know, I mess up, I'll own up to it or at least try to. And I don't mind being called out either. You know, it, it's completely fine. But I, it's just one of those pieces that it's often forgot about. It's it's very much often preached, but I don't know if it's usually applied and you know even to the same extent sometimes by myself. Oh, yeah, and, you know, I talked to my wife about this, too, because, like, you know, there'd be a lot of times I sit and, you know, program or I sit and, you know, do things at home that could wait, you know, to the very next day. You know, that's that's valuable time with my wife that I could be spending, but instead I'm here, you know, programming, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think there's a healthy balance, but, you Mm -hmm. know, everyone's got to find that healthy balance in their work and um professional life you know you know the professional and the personal life i've done it with teaching because i taught for the last three years and you know um there's some things you just gotta leave at work you know um and i think that's something that maybe some strength coaches could take is you know that that programming thing that you got in your head write on a piece of paper put in your notes on your phone and you know pick it up when you get back into work the next day a hundred percent and you know, my dad, my both my parents own their own business, so work was always around. Like it'd be nine p.m. and they're thinking about what happens the next day. Versus, and don't get me wrong, my parents were phenomenal. I I love them and everything that they did for me. But you know, even they'll tell them, you know, they don't shut off. They're workaholics. They they're always trying to you know figure things out, and they did a great job of always prioritizing us. But you know, work was just you know. A Midwest kind of blue collar family, always working kind of thing. And, you know, when I was 18, I started working for my dad, you know, 70 hour weeks, depending on what it was. And so when I got to Elon, especially and team builder, especially, it was so hard to just let go. And, you know, I, there was conversations that I'd have with both Nick and Hewitt. And they're like, yo, dude, you're, you're off the clock. You don't have to be here. You don't have to have your laptop on. Like Hewitt will tell me, like, I've got, you know, he's like, dude, you got to take more time off. <laughs> um, you know, he, Nick will tell you, he's like, dude, if you're, you don't have to be here. If you're not coaching, I'm not requiring to be here. I hire people because I know I can trust them. Go home, go be with your family. I'm going to be with my kids. Go be with the dogs, go be with T, go be with the wife, you know, stuff like that. And it, it really was a, a, that was probably one of my biggest growing pains was being like, all right, look, there's some things that can just wait till tomorrow. Go home, enjoy your life, and be with your family, and prioritize that. And like I said, my wife was incredibly patient because at first I could not grasp that, and that was one of my biggest problems. And she bared with me. Um, now she owns her own business, and she's going through you know struggles of that too. So of you know just being able to turn off when she needs to. But I'm thankful again. I'm I'm thankful, and I can't be 
over, I can't say it enough, that I have two bosses who literally are like, you need to prioritize your, your life before your job. And we are here to support you and make sure that that happens. And, be, and they're both the people that will tell you point blank, you got you to just take a day off or you got to you know, go take care of this. We, we got you and we have enough people. We'll take care of it. Go do that. Which, again, I'm incredibly lucky, still figuring out, but you know, I, I can't say it enough that I, I'm blessed in that position to be able to have that. And not everyone's going to have that. Remarkable, man. That's truly remarkable. Let's go ahead and start wrapping up some things here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this last segment, Conjugate Coach Spotlight. So is there anyone that you want to, and you kind of already did a little bit in the episode, um, shout out, and, you know, it's making the difference in the industry of strain conditioning? Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of people that have affected me in such a positive manner. Obviously, James and Hewitt at Team Builder, Tofi, who I'm really good friends with, being able to just broaden my knowledge and things like that. Um, obviously, Nick DeMarco, uh, the associate AD, director of sports performance at Elon. He's been a phenomenal mentor for me. Alex Brzezki, who is with uh, Exos up in Tacoma, Washington with the uh, 117 Buffaloes. He was one of my mentors from the start, being able to just really conceptualize, really thinking large. Him and Jordan Newsma were impactful on me so much. Um, and then my guys that are, I'm, I'm around every single day, Gabe Mason. Andrew Benham, Hunter Lakey, who he was our four-year intern as an undergrad, unpaid, showing up more than anybody else. And now he's going to Mississippi State to be an assistant with the baseball team. So he, he's so ecstatic. I, I love those guys. And, you know, we're, we go out to dinner all the time just because we love being around each other. Um, obviously, my mom and dad, they're great human beings. And my wife, I, there's no way I could have been where I'm at today without her. She supported me through and through from day one of us just dating all the way up until getting married and after that um there's there's a lot obviously you know brandon pig he always helping me think a little bit obviously yourself giving me the platform and even just having someone to just kind of talk to whether it be through dms or even on a obviously on a podcast here there's there's so many it's it's really hard if i if i forgot anybody i'm really sorry but off the top of my head that's that's a lot right now um yeah awesome brian well, again, I want to thank you for taking the time and coming on the podcast and, you know, just bringing some insight into what y'all doing at Elon, what you're doing at Team Builder, um, giving, you know, that great advice to the younger generation of strength coaches coming up, man. It's truly remarkable, and uh, I just want to thank you again. Absolutely, dude. I, I appreciate you for letting me hop on with you. It's It's been an honor. Absolutely, man. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjugate Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also, follow Brian on his social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today.
And before we end this episode here, I wanted to bring the light to something. Um, most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches. Um, for those that are expiring strength coaches out there, um, I set up a Gumroad account, uh, store even, to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning. Starting with, um, I have study guides on there. Uh, for anyone that's not past the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guides that I've developed over the last three years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad in which you can purchase or just download for free um, the study guides for CSCS, a couple of my guides for in uh, in-season training, and also um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjuring Chats, and thank you for your continuous support.